K-I-M, Maestro the Vocalist, and my company is Maestro Melodies. He's the sun who in those brown eyes, yes, he's This is Diversified Game, a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kelly. And today on Diversified Game, I have a real maestro, maestro, the vocalist. And this brother is the first violinist that we have. I almost wanted to go rent a, a violin, maybe a viola, um, and, and try to act like I could play with him. But I'm not going to embarrass myself today. And maestro, I want to welcome you to the show. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you, brother. You, you know, I, you made a distinction. I'm actually a vocalist. I, yeah, yeah, I, I got, because so you got the, you know, the, the, the vocals, again, with us growing up in church, we thought we had it all until we had to hear ourselves, you know, back on tape, <laughs> so I just want to know, how did you take it from, you might have been right there with the, the robe or the, you know, the, the, the bow collar, the red one with the white shirt, but you took it to the, the next level, so we really want to know, like, how did you get your start um, just singing and, and with instruments and also how did you find someone to pay you for it? Cause you gotta be stone cold to do that. Oh man, that's three questions in one. Uh, first of all, I thought I put that on mute. Sorry about that. So first of all, I'll say that um, I got my start. I, I, I was, it's interesting that you mentioned church. I was raised in church. I was, I'm Lutheran, which actually plays kind of a role in, in my vocal uh, development, but I'll come back to, to that in a second. I grew up singing, grew up singing in church. I was exposed to classical music from a very young age because my mother always played, uh, from in the womb, she played songs for us, played classical music, played a lot of stuff, but she was really prone to playing classical music. And when I was four, um, we were also kind of prone to being late for places. So when I was four, let me not put that out there like that, but yeah, we, you know, whatever yeah, that yeah. is. So we go yeah. to a birthday party, right? And um, I'm late and I'm upset. I'm like four years old. It's like one of my, my, my little play buddies um, and his parents had like bought him everything. You know what I'm saying? So I get there all late. Ice cream and cake is all gone. Kids outside playing, jumping on the bouncy castle. And I'm looking off for Lauren and his mom's like, go get your violin and play for him. And then it's not like I hadn't heard violin via, you know, the radio, but I heard him play it. And I know, remember him playing Tickle Tickle Little Star. And I was like, wow. It's fascinating. So I begged my mother, hey, can I go ahead and play the violin? Uh, so fast forward a couple of years later, she asked me, um, She first of all, she said, do you mean guitar? And I said, no violin. And so she got really serious. Uh, growing up in Chicago, it was kind of hard to find, um, you know, uh, a, a um, access to private instruction for violin. And so it took a couple of years before my mom Basically, I think she she talked to one of her colleagues and was like, oh, I've got my daughter on this program. You might want to try the Suzuki method uh, taught in the Beverly you know, area of Chicago. And so I started um, basically observing, going through a process of seeing what it's like 
Uh, and I'm trying to fit a lot in here because I'm trying to give you my background basis because these are the things that form me. But Suzuki method is particularly um, a method because it really talks, it works on socializing you as a musician. And so when I was a kid, you have to go and you observe, you see exactly what goes on in the uh, in the, the classroom. And you have, I think about me, four observing sessions before you actually say, okay, I want to do this. And then they start you off baby steps. A lot of times people get a, a violin. We got a fake violin, which I found out later was like a pretzel box and a ruler, like it was a surprise we got. But you earn the right to actually get the violin. And so that was um, something that was crucial too, like learning how to incentivize from an early age, working towards something that I said I wanted to do after I had a chance to look at it. So there were all these intermediate steps that were part of the Suzuki method. Um, Suzuki method also works with sound, sound, like hearing something and repeating something and learning on memorizing. So I can actually play songs that I learned back when I was a kid because it really drums into you. How do you do this? How do you do this? Um, and it also, an, an ear note association of just hearing something and seeing it on the page because of the repetition. And that gets you ready for playing in orchestras uh, with regard to being socialized. So there's that part. Um, so I grew up and then I decided that, oh man, voice didn't really come into play until I got to college. So I'm, I'm a classic trained musician all the way up through school, through grade school, through high school. Uh, and But at that point I was getting kind of like jaded, right? And I was like, man, I don't want to keep playing in orchestras. What is what is there for me? And I never really thought about doing it as a career. I just knew that I love music. It was integral to who I was. But I never really thought about, oh, let me just do this. Let me do that. Like, I wanted to be a lawyer, you know. Mm. Um, so I get to college. I went to Morehouse, by the way. And I get to college. And I put my violin down for a second. It's whatever. Um and I think I joined the, the Mohawk College Glee Club just because I love to sing, wanted to be part of something new and, and different. And I started learning, like, really uh, paying more attention to detail. I became a music major and, and actually started developing my voice classically. Um, and around this time, I picked the violin probably back up maybe my sophomore year. I joined the orchestra. But I'm still kind of dissatisfied because I'm like, man, I'm learning how to do music classically now vocally. And I'm learning how to mu do music um, you know, I'm continuing my, my classical education. And, and so, but I don't want to be a choral member, nor do I want to be a classic, you know, a, an orchestral member. Like, that's not what I want to do with my craft. And um, along the course of my life, there were certain things and certain classes that I'd been introduced to that taught me like jazz improvisation on the violin and things like that. Um, Suzuki method, or maybe it was just my teacher. I don't think it was Suzuki method would always say, you know, uh, she would have me create little songs, you know, on the violin. And so I was already kind of being familiarized with composition on that level. When I got to college, it got a little bit more serious. And so fast forward now, um, maybe a few years later when I was like 20, 24, 23, something like that. Um, I'm kind of finding my voice being raised in a Lutheran church, we don't learn all those gospel runs and we don't learn all that like extra stuff that a lot of people do. And also um, there's something about different religions that develop you as a musician. So if you're Baptist, if you're Pentecostal, a lot of times they'll kind of enfold you in that service when you're kind of young. So you're used to relating to crowds a certain way, you're used to being part of an ensemble a certain way and, um, and definitely being invited in the scene. And so not coming from that tradition, I did learn like, 
four-part harmonies and strict chord structure. But as a performer, as an artist, uh, I'm still finding my voice. And so all these things are coming into play when I'm trying to figure out what do I really want to do. And I started songwriting and realized that that's where my own voice came, you know. And from there, I started composing my own music really seriously, formed a band, um, started recording some stuff. And then fast forward a few years later, I found out, I felt like Atlanta was kind of a dry market because that's where I was living at the time. Um, and it's really hard. If you remember at the, at the beginning of this interview, you said you introduced me as a violinist. But no, I'm actually a, a vocalist. I, I, I would say the difference is like in as much as you would call a mule a mule because it's the product of a horse and a donkey, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a hybrid of something different because I like to bring, I like to make my violin sing and I like to make my voice feel like, you know, it's very lyric, like, like, like strings. Uh, that's that's a, the thing that I'm trying to put out in the music. And so in terms of monetizing it, um, you have to find, you have to go where the opportunity is because I'm developing my craft the whole time in Atlanta. I'm throwing shows, I'm forming a band, I'm learning how to be a band leader, but I was really beating my head up against the wall uh, trying to to find some way to monetize and, and, and to keep a standard because people, I think, when they oftentimes hire you, they say, oh, this is a musician and I have a budget. That's not the way that works. Like if you, you go to, you might go to a steakhouse and you might have a budget for steak, but they don't just, I mean, you can spend your budget, but you're not going to get the same cut of meat. And it's kind of the same thing as me trying to introduce that concept to people who want to hire a string player, you know, violinist, cellist, whatever. It's a very different set of skills, a very different set of um, uh, techniques and development and time that goes into that. And so it was really hard kind of, trying to get that across to people who just wanted some novelty musician, you know? And so mm. uh, to anybody who, to any uh, aspiring musicians, I'd say, go, go where people feed you, literally feed you like, you know, through, through, through your gift, but also they feed your soul because it's really something um, you can, you can starve as an artist, like on the inside, if you're putting your heart and soul into something, we do need feedback. It's a vibrational response, you know? And so um, if I hadn't started making moves geographically, I think I would probably be in a different place. But I went from like being a full-time musician, but like having several part-time jobs that were unrelated to music and they weren't making me happy. I was working at Subway. I was working at Family Dollar. Um, I've always had some side hustles and things going on, but those aren't things that really contributed towards um towards the greater and betterment of me and betterment of me as a musician. And so uh, my advice to people, and uh, anybody, but particularly younger folks, 12, 13 or whomever, who really want to kind of find a way to vision, take out the unnecessary stuff, you know, and as much as you can, when you get to the age where you can move around, go to those places, go, to, go where people appreciate you, go where somebody understands what it's like to be a trumpeter or to, to, to sing opera, you know, cause opera singers have that, I think that same kind of bias um, and, and not understand, not understanding of their craft um, go to where people might not understand you, but they're interested in what you're doing, you know, at least enough to monetize it, you know, um, that's well, my little. Talking about monetizing it, and you saying you work at Subway, and man, I've had job on top of job, um, you know, prior to being an entrepreneur. 
I always would think only if I would have studied a little more on those instruments, you know, I could have at least been outside with the cup and people sometimes, you know, you hear people making, you know, three, four hundred dollars a day um, with with the instruments playing. I know in Seattle, folks made, you know, sometimes claim to make a, a good living. It, do you find that to be the case? Uh, because you at Subway, I'm like, man, if we I would have been your vocal guy, your hype guy. Come on, y'all uh, su support well, the arts. Well, keep in mind, I said you have to go to where people where where where, where people can f geographically like feed your art. Like sometimes it requires you to move. So there are laws and there are strictures in Atlanta that prevent me from doing that will prevent me from doing what I do here in California. There, it's a different kind of setup. It's a different state. You know, they they call it busking. I have kind of a different association and higher call for that. But basically playing in public is prohibited. So I wouldn't have even been able to, you know, that's the first thing. Second thing is nothing against Atlanta, but uh, it's kind of a market that doesn't really respond unless it already thinks something is hype. And so, you you know, I can think the, the most of myself, but I really have to go to where people can actually appreciate it. So I had to move. And when I moved, that's when things changed. I didn't need to work at a subway. At that point, I just needed to be consistent. And that's okay. my second consistency you have to show up definitely definitely now a lot of and i'm gonna say you know boys no matter where you were i remember playing the violin it you know folks didn't really see it as the coolest thing it wasn't like the drummer it wasn't like the guitar player and you being in chicago i don't care what side it was how did you navigate that? I know in Chicago, you know, Al Capone, people might have thought you had the Tommy gun in the violin case. But how did you navigate being secure enough to say this is what I do when you have to really, you know, walk and get on the train and deal with what life, you know, comes to bring? And a lot of that is uh, bullying at times. Um, well, I was bullied anyway, so it didn't really matter for me. The ironic thing is that it never was caused because of me playing my instrument. It was just because of me being different, period. Um, I was kind of quiet. I was, I'm an ambivert, so I'm quiet, but I'm kind of outgoing. It depends. I like to laugh, but I'm usually keeping to myself. Um, and if you're different, you, you come from a, a two-parent home, which I did. Mm -hmm. um, whatever the differences is, or, or differences might be, um, that can can be an invitation for whatever. And so, yeah, I was, you know, getting it. So it was, it, it was what it was. I didn't ever really feel, um, I was always, I was the type of kid who I was always going to be me. You know, if I felt like wearing a suit to school that day, because it didn't make any sense for me to, you know, not wear a suit. Why, why would you wear a suit that you like one day of the week if you have more than one suit? Um, so yeah, I would wear it to school. And I think that was just kind of weird for some people, but I was a kid who was pretty firm, firmly, like rooted then and like himself, you know, I don't really, my friends have horror stories, actually, even the girls, they got horror stories, like get beat up and their stuff that never happened to me, man. Like not, not for the violin, <laughs> you know, um, my schools, like my grade school and I went to a couple high schools would always ask me to play. The only thing is they would always ask me invariably to play the same song, which even amongst different schools, it was amazing grace. And so, and they'd always have me play for like announcements and different things. And I remember somebody coming up to me saying, Hey man, you're really good. Do you know any other song besides amazing grace? And I had to laugh, <laughs> but that, that's, that was it, man. Um, I didn't get hassled. Well, okay. Well, we'll talk about other songs, you know, 
we've seen violinists, and you are a vocalist, so I, I, I got you, but folks who play the violin, they'll say, oh, okay, that's what he does. You know, tap into hip hop and other genres, uh, even the trap music. How, what's your style? And, you know, what do you think about these folks who, you know, they come on the violin and they play the latest hit song, looking like my uh, Grambling band. I'm, I'm a GSU Tiger. So when you were mentioning Morehouse, we got the HBCU Connect. That's but, HBCU. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, what do you what do you feel about that? You know, folks, you know, what's happening now? And it's been happening, but now we have the internet and you can hashtag and say, oh, okay, trap violinist or, you know, What's your feeling? Well, first of all, I've been doing that stuff for a minute. I've never been, a, I've only recently been kind of into social media, maybe the past five years, really seriously. I, I could take or leave, you know, things like that. Uh, but it's kind of weird because this this is stuff that I did all the time when I was a kid. I play songs off the radio. Um, I can dance and play. And I, I sometimes do. And so it's like, it's, 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 you know, I'm like, oh, well, I've been doing that. You know, I don't really, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel a ways about it with regard to other people doing it. Um, all those people are classically trained artists and they're just probably just I'm going to I'm going to put them in a broad category. I'm going to say most of them are probably not self-taught. Most of them have probably had some some formal schooling and some formal education at some time. Like it's you have to listen to technique. You know, I, I try to infuse classical music stylings in my playing, you know, so other people do different things, you know, they're playing right with them, but you can kind of tell what kind, what school of thought somebody comes from. Um, and, and as far as I'm doing it, everybody's just expressing his, his self or herself. Yeah. And I want to make sure, you know, cause the audience say, nah, we want that, 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 that beat for that tear, you know, that wasn't the, the reason just because you are a classically trained you know, musician, there are songs that you could hear that could be in languages that you might not even understand, but you can play and create. So I just wanted to get, get into the mind a little deeper and, and see. Now, for those folks who are musicians and, they, you know, if they're starting out or they're, they're in high school and they're pretty good, what hack could you give them that you might have learned, you know, while in college or after that somebody could start doing right now to better them. So, and get them further for later on. Um, I don't know if it would be necessarily a hack as well as a life adapting thing, but getting into the notion of servitude really helps. Getting to the notion of passing something on really helps because it makes you accountable to what you're saying, what you're doing, and it makes you think about somebody else. So if you want to be a successful DJ or whatever, like you should adopt some sort of mentorship, you know, um, and, and I'm going to go further to say it goes both ways. Look for mentors, look for people in your field who are doing the things that you want to do. Um, and sometimes that might seem daunting. It, it kind of is, but you just have to make sure that you put yourself in a position to meet those people, you know, go to places, step outside your comfort zone, make sure that you give back. And when you teach somebody, it makes you so much sharper on your skills. When you get back to somebody, it makes you minded of how you craft your music because you're thinking, I'm not just doing this. I'm tied into this person or this group or this, this type of thing. So not, not, so, not so much a hack, 
as just something to adapt. I got to go deeper because you said it and I'm glad you said it, but, you know, finding that mentor, give some, maybe some organizations that you would recommend that maybe even found out later in life, even if it's, you know, Toastmasters or something, when you learn how to, you know, give great speeches, like where can they find that out? You know, because when you're, let's say 14, 15, sometimes you're limited by your location, you're limited sometimes by your resources, or that people don't really think that, you you know, you're as good as you want to be. So where are some of those organizations where they could find that mentorship? Um, Living in the world we live in today is online. That really definitely tempers the way that I would answer the question. Um, In the old days, I'd say go seek someplace out or you know, churches are, are often staples in the community um, and you can talk to somebody. It, oftentimes a mentor is somebody that you maybe might already know, you know, that has an area of expertise that you're not sure about. But just talking to people saying, hey, what do you do? Or, or asking around if you don't feel necessarily comfortable talking to the person directly. Um, nowadays, you could actually look resources up. So there's, there's the Big Brother and Little Sister program. Um, personally, I was a Boy Scout, like all the way up through high school, grade school, all me, the way me up. Me too. Yeah, yeah. So we're 534. Hey, if they watched it. <laughs> but and and I had the benefit of coming from like a good troop, not like a troop that just sat around. Like we went places, we did, we competed in competitions. They really were concerned about development as 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 uh the development of us as, as young men. And so um there were people who, you know, I'm actually in contact with today, um, who might not necessarily you know, be, be musicians, but they understand about business game, you know, and understand about investments. And these are all things that you need to know that you have to be thinking about as an artist. You, you're ultimately going to be the only one that protects you. And so while you, you can be lovey-dovey about um, making the music, you can also become soured on it if you just have a couple of experiences that lead you, you know, and then you never reach your potential because you're worried about other things. I think having, gaining a little bit of knowledge along the way, um, to your point, being, what's the word, taking initiative. So seek things out, seek out a mentor, ask questions, you know, ask, ask, you can go online, but you can just ask somebody in, in your, your community, whatever your communities are. Okay. And I'm, I'm glad you, all that is good game because, you know, there are some people who are sheltered and then, you know, believe it or not, because I know I'm some of them in my family, they're not allowed to be on social media. You know, even at 15, 16, 17. So you giving those alternatives gives them, okay, I can go to the church. I didn't even think about it, even though I know pastor so-and-so and and I saw his, you know, alto. Um, So I'm glad that you said that. Now, with the success that you've had and the best is yet to come, what is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? One thing I'm doing right now, that's why I said be community minded and it just comes back to you. Like, I'm not saying it because like give, 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 you go get, get, get. It's not even about that. It's really more about a continuous principle of flow and vibration. And that's something we as people could, to, could do to learn about the process of flow and vibration. When you're giving, your hands are out. You have your hands open to receive and whatever the gift is. You have to give it. My platform is playing on the streets of wherever I am. I'm going to go back to something that you said really quickly. You talked about practice. Um, when I lived in the Bay Area, I was taking care of my niece and my nephew, uh, who were toddlers at the time. And my brother and sister-in-law, one of them worked upstairs, one of them worked downstairs when the kids were at school. 
I couldn't play at home. I couldn't practice. And of course, when the kids came home, then it was time for, you know, I was the Manny. So like Manny daycare or afterwards. And so um, I never really had time to do the stuff that I needed as a musician. So I had to go outside and practice. I'd practice in the park, not driving, uh, not having a car. I was talking to one of my Ubers one day, Uber drivers one day. And he was like, oh, you go play outside. You should go play outside and put your tip, tip jar out. Because if you're practicing anyway, people can listen to you practice. And I was like, hmm, you're right. You know, so I started practicing, you know, outside, outside the liquor store, because um, that's where people, I mean, I honestly, that's where they congregate restaurants and liquor stores. Restaurants might be closed, but there's always going to be somebody coming in and out of a liquor store for whatever reason. Maybe you're getting church wine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> like, whatever. And so to that point, um, I turned practice into a platform for showing what it looks like being a black man playing the violin into a platform that was intentional about raising the vibration of the community. So now um, that was the beginning of the journey. Now what I do for the community to answer your question is I go to different areas in LA and outside of LA and I play on street corners and I play on meeting and strips because I try to, and, and for me, it used to be about poverty level versus income level. Oh, let me go to this impoverished neighborhood. But honestly, that's not fair um, because any kind of person needs a vibrational boost, whether you have money or you don't. Um, and that's one thing I, I learned. And so even though it benefits me uh, just to, to sometimes receive a tip, when I'm, in, when, when I'm true with my intention of giving to the world, like if I play and somebody's at a stoplight and they see me play for like 30 seconds to a minute, a minute and a half and they're like oh and it changes their disposition and they go and they they're nicer to somebody in their day maybe they're somebody's boss or maybe they were feeling really funky about something that happened in their family but now they're a little bit brighter and they can be nicer to somebody else who in turn might be nicer to somebody else so i never see the, the quantifiable results but i have to know that uh, along this journey when people see me do what i do they're going to like hearing what they hear more often than not because i guess i'm really sour-faced people but more often than not they do and they're going to maybe be a little different, maybe resonate on a higher vibration, and then maybe pass that. So for me, that's my service, you know. So let me let me let me make sure I heard you. You talking about practice, Iverson? You talking about practice? You know, you, you as an expert in your field um, are still, you know, it, it's about the practice because that that quote when Allen Iverson went on a rant. A lot of young players and a lot of young people said, see, I told you, I knew I was great. I don't have to practice anymore. You know, unlike those who, and you see that even in the music with the hip hop where now everybody's a freestyler because they don't have to practice, you know? And so that's a big thing for, a, you're a classically trained musician and going on the record to say that the practice is, is is still something that you know you do that you practice and, and i and i love that does, does that i mean i don't i don't know if you if you look at it like that with music but with we'll just say hip-hop because that's the culture that you know we we come from a lot of a lot of a lot of people aren't aren't practicing so i just want to mm -hmm. give you kudos and props for that thank you I definitely appreciate that. Um, I didn't get a chance to hear the Alan Iverson rant, but my first teacher always told me that practice makes better, not perfect. And, okay. you know, I, I still say that 
uh, when I'm in the street, I'm practicing. Like when I come to your house and I'm doing a gig, I'm on my best, best behavior. But when I'm in the street and I often go live, I'll make a mistake and I might, I might be in the wrong key, but that's okay. Because I think if you put, um, if you put an expectation of, of having perfection out there, people, people, you can fall short, you know, but I think that people want to be uh, in tune with something that feels regular, that feels, oh, okay, he made a mistake. Oh, this is, oh, okay, I do that. And you might or might not catch it. But when I'm outside practicing, when I'm, yeah, I'm just outside practicing and I pass out my business card. And that's where consistency comes in, man. Like people see me and I get the business just from that. Now for you, what is um, the, the, the goal? Some folks in music, you know, it's, I just want to make an album. Some people want to make a hundred albums. Some people want to get a Grammy, you know, or go diamond. Um, or have their music in scores in movie and film. What is your like, you know, okay, I feel like I've made it. You know, at least you get to celebrate that for 10 seconds until you go back into practicing and figuring out what's next. Making it is, uh, making it is relative. And so I think a lot of times people have to, and this is a question that I constantly have to ask myself, like, what is making it look like? I think, when you're in a place where you can handle your bills and you can do things for yourself that you want to, uh, when you have been able to at least see the effects of kind of what your vision is um, and how it's playing out, that's making it, you know? So uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is put a platform of, of bringing more respect to the street musician, because I think a lot of times people think you just derelict out there and you're just bumming it and you're not, um, and so I've been seeing more of that. And I've talked to some artists who said, yeah, this is this has influenced me to do that. So for me, that's kind of a making it. Um, being able to make it in California on this expensive rent is making it, <laughs> honestly. And, and the cool thing is because, like, uh, even though it's much more expensive out here in L.A. than it was in, in Atlanta, um, I couldn't do the things that I'm doing in Atlanta that I'm doing out here. So I'm, I'm making more money. I'm having opportunities and sometimes just the ability to invest and, and like swim in an opportunity gives you the feeling of having made it. You know what I mean? Cause you got to this point, you have a platform, you can be seen, you can be heard, you know, for some people that's making it for me, I would love all of that. You know, um, I fame, notoriety, blah, blah, blah. Those are things that I would like but they're not necessarily requirements. Um, I do want to make sure that I, I build a legacy of wealth for my family and use these gifts to inspire somebody else and to sow back into my community and my family. That's success for me. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Everything we see on TV or social media, you know, a lot of that is rented and fake and whatnot. So I definitely uh, feel you on that and just living in your purpose you know, your God given purpose. That, that's that's making it what you're here for. Now, where has the has your music taken you? Because, you know, Morehouse um, might have took you all around the world. Um, where are some of the exciting, you know, places outside of this country you've been able to travel doing music? Oh man, uh, my music is actually taking me pretty much everywhere. Uh I've been to Japan. Like I I'm, I was a traveler before the pandemic. So I've been to Japan. I've been to South India. I've been to Tanzania, uh, which is in East Africa. I've been to China with the Glee Club. I went to Poland to like four different cities in Poland. Uh, I've been to Berlin. 
I've been to uh, Puerto Rico. I've been to Suriname, which is in South America, and Guyana. Um, I've been to India. No, you said outside the U.S. Um, yeah, man, I think there's maybe a couple more, but that's, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been in a few places. Yeah, okay, because, I mean, I could tell by, you know, your jewelry where I'm going to say, man, just tell me uh, where I can get some of those pieces. Uh, oh, man. That you, that, that, Douglas, yeah. Designs. Douglas Designs made this. Uh, you can find them online, Douglas Designs Unlimited. Um, your chain. Don't forget the chain. You you, you got a, a oh, unique oh, yeah. chain. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm remiss, though. My boy in Atlanta made this. Uh, I just cat in Atlanta I made this because my boy, I wouldn't know his name. Um, but I can find them online. But, yeah, just, you know, we DM me, go to my page at the vocal menace, and I, I can definitely, you know, point you in the direction. I actually designed jewelry myself, but I don't know how to rap. But I designed things like this and have people make them for me. Okay, okay, man. And so, have you thought about, you know, not just your own YouTube channel or something like that, but even um, podcasting or writing a book talking about, you know, this is my story or are we too soon for, for all of that? I'm sorry. Say, say that again. Oh, I was saying, um, writing a book, YouTube or, um, you know, podcasting, you know, books and movies. I kind of, uh, kind of live in that space. I wanted to know, you know, do you have anything in the, in the works? With, with yes. Uh, I'm working on a, I cook also. So I'm working on a, uh, cooking channel you know, with me playing music, um, but also like doing demonstrations on how to do certain types of cooking, uh, vegan cooking. And also I specialize in repurposing. I like kind of higher end stuff. So I like turning leftovers, like from two different meals or whatever into like a high end dish, you know, so I'm working on that. Uh, I got a project I'm working on right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm recording. So, you know, keep, keep an ear out for, you know, the first Maestro Suite. Uh, fairly soon and what else what else yeah man as far as the other stuff I have visions for that like this is the season where I feel like I'm finally having networks and the experience and just the the tide of not having to go ahead and, and get it man well you guys have been blessed by the game I want you to go in the description box and follow him because we're going to take the conversation offline because he says the cooking show he gave you just a snippet, but in TV, you can't talk about it until it's out there and really ready to go. That That's kind of the, the thing in TV, but I want to hear more about it, and we're going to talk offline about it, and you guys can ask him what we talked about when he you know reveals when this will be out there, because I think that'll be awesome. I, I know some chefs who do great, you know, for a night. They might make what people make in, you know, half a year because and you have the music and the food so that's the perfect date night com combination you know that's that, that's 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 a lot of gifts so i thank you maestro for coming on do you want to leave the people with anything yeah um i don't know do you want me to play something or did you yes please yes please
Maestro. Is this a new In those brown eyes, yes. Guys, that's game over and that's game tight. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Are you tired of the rat race in America? Are you ready to visit the motherland to relax and rejuvenate? Are you ready to explore all that Africa has to offer? Then check out the brand new Diversified Game Academy course, Prepare for My First Trip to Africa. Are you worried about being able to afford the trip? We got you. We will show you how to travel either on a budget or as a baller. Learn how to stress the value of the USD. Did you know that 100 United States dollars is worth over 1,000 South African rand or 10,000 Kenyan shillings or 54,250 West African CFA? Are you worried about taking your kids? Get the game from Kellen Cash, a bona fide world traveler, having traveled to almost 20 countries, several of those in Africa. Get the game on taking your kids on their first trips. Learn how to find the best tickets, get the visas, and plan your own adventures in Africa. Don't let Eddie Murphy have all the fun. Plan your own coming to Africa trip starring you, produced by you, and featuring you. If you are ready for a life-changing experience, sign up for our course today, Diversified Game Academy. Get prepared and purchase at diversifiedgame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.